Good evening and welcome to episode 30 of the 3 on 3 podcast. One more week of the season to go. Still the title's not won. Can't be far off and the fat lady must be surely warming her voice up. And that eight spot going down to last weekend. So a lot still to play for in the Elite League. We've been treating you left, right and centre with some great guest voices. But this week it's just going to be us three. Um, A nice, cosy, quick pod to discuss where everything is and the latest goings on in the world of the Elite League. So we have the Diva and a happy Scott. Um, Gents, how are you? Good. Looking forward to three miserable old men talking like they're down the pub about hockey. Yeah, quick, short, sharp. Get the fuck out of your pod. <laughs> I'm, that's that set the tone too much by saying that. That's us told, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, thanks. Please don't turn off. Uh, yes, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Middle of the road. Middle of the road tonight. Okay, so we'll quickly go through the weekend results. and uh, We'll start Friday night. Manchester hosted the Coventry Blaze. The Coventry Blaze winning 4-3. Belfast played a game of hockey, scored a lot of goals. The opposition did score a lot of goals. In case you didn't aware, Belfast beat Sheffield 8-2. Then Belfast hit it again the night after uh, against Manchester, winning 9-1. Cardiff uh, shutting out the five flyers 4-0. Guildford pulling back from 3-0 down. And if that would have been uh, the results, Belfast would have won the title, but they won the game 6-4. Glasgow and Nottingham went for a shootout at the OK Corral with an 8-5 scoreline to the Panthers. Then tonight, Sheffield and Cardiff, a 3-2 scoreline with Coventry beating the Nottingham Panthers 7-4 and Guildford Winning 7-3 against the Sunday Stars against the Gents. Quick highlight from the weekend. Hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call it a highlight, but in terms of um, well done, Belfast 17 goals in two games. I think uh, if you look at the schedule, you think maybe Sheffield and the Guildford games are where you'd hope they might come unstuck a teeny bit more, I think, out of hope than expectation. When you score in the first 30 seconds, I think you kind of set the tone for the evening. And they just kept scoring, didn't they? They kept scoring, scoring, scoring. And I think if you can put 17 goals on in a weekend in two games, you can't really look beyond that as being pretty exceptional, really. Yeah, you have to echo what Mr Williams just said. But uh, my highlight is uh, Ross Venus's goal against the Nottingham Pampers. Uh, hopefully that will make a goal of the week. My highlight is another Brit who scored over the weekend, Alex Graham. A nice uh, finish against the Devils. But I also agree, uh, Belfast going for fun. I was lucky enough to have gone out uh, with friends. I didn't pay the uh, for the webcast. I, I don't think I'd have been all that happy having to watch that. And for those who watched it, they were saying it could have been a lot worse. And you're thinking, you lose 8-2 and it could have been a lot worse. It's uh, it's certainly worth a depressing uh, scoreline, and also for those who went over, um, I hope you just enjoyed enough Guinness to um, compensate the uh, the hockey. But uh, you, you're looking for the scorelines, guys, and it it just seems like any defensive systems are either just being put on ice until the quarterfinal of the playoffs, or no fucks are giving a bad defence. You mentioned it, John, a bit uh, before recording. It's just like it's just no one cares about defensive hockey. Do you know what? You score six, we'll score seven. Let's go. <laughs> it's bizarre. I mean, yeah, you could argue that these games generally don't mean an awful lot in the grand scheme of things for positions. There's teams maybe 
jockeying to come in maybe certain positions a little bit higher or lower and don't know whether they're best to come in third or, or best coming fourth, etc. But this one weekend to go next weekend as playoff hockey is not now that and get a playoff mindset going and play some good sound defensive hockey and, and almost treat these next few games as a way to get ready for playoffs. I'm just amazed at the amount of goals we've seen over the whole weekend. Um, and some teams seem to not given two, two shits at all about the, the remaining games. It's kind of bizarre. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for goals in a game, but it's almost as if teams have just kind of thought, well, what's the point? And it's a bit bizarre because it's not been that way up until this, this weekend. And as you say, for whatever, we, for whatever reason, we're seeing eight, nine, seven score lines like back in the old days. And hopefully that's not a trend that will continue for much longer because it doesn't make for exciting games when the teams are getting destroyed. Scotty, what do you think, mate? It's, it, I'll jump in before because I kind of want to twist it on something I've just thought there. You, you kind of, with the score lines, and like you said, John, I mean, you'll remember um, back in the day when it was scoring for fun. But you'd think now, kind of, you know, with a lot of the teams, apart from Fife or uh, Glasgow, they're in the playoffs. They're in that postseason, so it's time to get ready. Okay, it's a four-game tournament, but it's time to get ready to, for the postseason. And you'd think now that you'd start, because, you know, likes of Belfast, Sheffield, Guildford, Cardiff have been set, making the postseason for quite some time. So they should now be getting them sort of structures, them lines, really solid to go, right, we are going to give you fuck all and we're going to just win two, one, three, twos. But that doesn't seem to be the case. I, I'll bring Scott in now, and apologies, Scott, for jumping in there. Um, but look, Coventry, for an example, you know, seven goals Sunday night, four goals Friday, um, and combined seven goals conceded across the two nights. Okay, that would give you two wins. But is it kind of, is it a feel that, Teams are in that playoff mode now, or are they just waiting for next weekend to go right? We mean business now. Yeah, it's a four-point weekend. You think whoopee, and I know we're fifth, whatever. But it, I'm a little concerned about how this weekend played out. If we ship four goals at home in the quarterfinal of the playoffs, we'll be out. And today was a a benchmark for that to go on. Forty-nine shots we gave up to the Nottingham Panthers. Ranier was nearly 92%. And we were just lackadaisical and then kind of scoring when we need to. There was a couple of goals tonight that we'd score, they score. And it just kind of all went to pot. And I'm, it concerned me a little bit going into playoffs. Um, luckily, we've got scoring throughout the team. So we can rely on us scoring. But if we're playing Sheffield or Cardiff and they put four in our rink, we won't see Nottingham. And it's a shame. Uh, I hope hope we uh, Danny gives them a kick up the arse going into the last two weeks. It's funny you should say that in terms of lackadaisical um, performances tonight. Um, oh, sorry, Sunday night. Uh, John, obviously we both watched the the Sheffield Cardiff game, and, and that had that feel for quite a lot of the game where it was a lot very lackadaisical, and it just for one of my phrase, it just looked like two teams. I just didn't give a fuck, and you kind of go, you're that close to a new season which in essence it is, you think the mindset would be more tuned in. And yeah, mistakes happen. These players are only human. And that's not taking the piss, but you know, it will happen. But just the, the frequency of it, was just you just think, 
why are we not seeing teams more tuned in now? Or is it telling us that actually, come the quarterfinal, semi-final, we're going to see goals galore, and olden days where defences at playoffs was tighter than anything just won't be, won't exist. Yeah, I was thinking about the game where we. It was just, it was bizarre. It was probably the most. Well, it, it's one of the weirdest ever games I've seen between Sheffield and Cardiff because whatever season you're talking about, there's generally something on those games. Definitely this time of the season. Historically, you look at these being potentially title-winning games on either side, and you go into a game in Sheffield in March against Cardiff, you don't expect players playing at 70-80-90%, which at times they seem to be doing. And I can't work it out. Is it just a case of neither team wants to give anything away to the other? They don't want to sort of commit to almost too much in advance in case they meet in the playoffs. Are players trying to hold back a little bit not to get injured? But to me, I okay, I've never played hockey at this level. When I play sport at my football level, I would never go in anything other than 100%. I think you're more likely to get injured if you don't go in 100%. I think if you try and maybe play the game uh, and go through the motions to some extent, your, your body's more vulnerable. Um, and I'm just hoping that no players or no teams suffer injuries over the next couple of weekends. Because I honestly think if you don't treat the game with the respect it deserves, you're more likely to come unstuck in that way. Yeah, it was weird because, as you say, one minute it would be a little bit end-to-end and teams were, were trying to sort of make a game of it. Other times it, it just felt like it was almost a, a testimonial kind of game where there was no intensity. The one thing that did impress me with DuPont, though, which probably the most ballsy thing I, I think he's done for a little while, he pulled the goalie with over three minutes to go. And I think that that is maybe a little bit of playoff kind of jockeying because I don't think in, in the, if that game meant a lot, I don't think that would have happened. I think it's a bit of a gamble that early to pull the goalie. Maybe if it's a two-goal deficit, nothing to lose. With a one-goal lead, I think that could have gone you know, to shit quite quickly. And to be fair, they, they trapped um, Sheffield in the zone for most of the last three minutes and Steelers didn't look like scoring. So yeah, fair play to DuPont. He tried something a little bit different. It didn't work. But I think that maybe was the one thing I picked up on that it did indicate to me that he's maybe looking at different things to do in case in the playoffs you need those ballsy kind of moves to maybe get a result. And yeah, that's probably, I think that my take from that game was that was pretty, pretty impressive but on a very generally not impressive evening. I'll tell you the one, the, the few things that I picked up on in terms of my highlight was I felt Greenfield and Bounds when they had stretches where they was not having to do much. When called on, they pulled out some absolute top end saves, um, which in playoff mode, again, when you're in that scenario, you want your goal is to do that. Um, there were some strange goals that for me, it looks like the team defense was poor on, on both sides. Um, but I'll, I'll compliment Cardiff on, on pinning Sheffield in for the last three minutes. Um, and they, and they cycled the puck very, very well. Um, if I'm honest, any other time I think Cardiff would have equalised. I, I thought Sheffield, to the compliment to them, everything was on the line. On a game that was a one-goal lead and they just blocked and blocked and blocked. And whether they got the rocket up the arse from Friday, I don't know. But the characteristics that if you can put everything together well, that, will, that will heed well going forward for the postseason, there was a, a, a fair bit, like you said, John, 
in a not so exciting game, but lots for both sides to go. There's things there that we can go. This may help us out. We say playoffs, and if if the playoffs was to end now, and okay, there's, there's two games left, and there's a little bit of movement across a few spots, but I, I my gut is these are going to be the fixtures. You'd have Belfast Glasgow. You'd have Guildford against Nottingham. You'd have Sheffield v Manchester. And you'd have Cardiff v Coventry. I like the look of two of them fixtures from an entertaining perspective of what, what could happen. One, I suspect, will be a blowout, unless some miracle happens in Glasgow. Um, I don't like the look of the Sheffield-Manchester one, but I like the potential of the order. Because Manchester have confirmed that their home game's on the Friday, so Sheffield would be have the second leg, rightfully, at home, instead of having it first so that we can get the coin in. Um, guys, if that was the fixtures for the postseason, and like I say, we think that's pretty nailed on. Who are you calling out them for? To go to <laughs> final four? Um, <clears throat> Belfast. Guildford. Sheffield. And then we've got the Cardiff Coventry, haven't we? And uh, interestingly, we've got to play each other this Saturday. And me and John were speaking pre-recording. How do you approach that game? Because yes, you want to be in playoff mode, but you don't want to give anything up, do you? Uh, John said to me, play the backups. Yeah. It's, it's a bizarre one because uh, I feel like we need a rocket up the, our arse. I know we got four points this weekend, but we need a rocket up the arse after the Panthers performance. So I don't, I don't know. Um, history suggests over the last few years that Cardiff will take it. Um, we've not done well against Cardiff in the quarterfinals. But there have been some great games between each team. Um, so if I go for my bias mode, I do think we have enough to beat Cardiff. But have Cardiff got that little bit of special talent that could could uh, steal it? Also, I don't know what the ice availability is. And that Cardiff, I don't know if Cardiff have announced when they would play their home game. I'm not too sure. Um, but you'd think they'd have the rink on the Sunday. So, yeah. I've not answered, have I? I don't want you're so, to. You're so nervous. You're so I am nervous. 100%, 100% nervous. And I wouldn't have been a couple of weeks ago, but we've not been... We've been scoring goals and we've been winning games and barring the other night in Guilf- against Guildford. I am nervous. Because I don't want I, a season to potentially that we've had a good season to just peter out. I can understand that because let's be honest, we've all talked for many weeks about Coventry and possibly what they could do. And it feels like you've kind of been and your club building up for this moment where you're just, just you know, lingering along, just, just ticking boxes and kind of getting yourself in position and waiting to strike. Um, Back to your question, David, about who I'm, let's be fair, everyone knows I'm, expert predictor in ice hockey, especially at this level of um, of, of games. But Belfast, obviously, they play Glasgow. We don't even, even question that on that one. Nottingham and Guildford is, is an interesting one. If that is what the fixture team... I got a feeling Nottingham are going to do it. I think with, you know, home ice in the playoffs as their reward, I, I just got a sneaky feeling. I just think that for me, if, if Guildford do end up losing this league title, which is likely to be the case, 
that's going to be a hard one to get over. I think it's going to be a little bit of, I think, you know, getting over that. And I think if they don't win the league, it's as much as, as Belfast have been a, a good team and they've been the best team, you, whoever's top after 54 games deserves it. But let's not bullshit otherwise. Guildford have actually probably lost this title. That three-game stretch where they lost those three games at home, it's the only time this season I think they really, really sort of dropped the ball a little bit. And I think if they'd have won one more of those games, well, one of the three games, they'd be sitting pretty now as, as favourites. So I got a sneaky feeling Nottingham would beat Guildford. Manchester-Sheffield is, is a tough one. I think a lot of that depends on the result in Manchester. I think if Sheffield keeps it close with a goal, I fancy Sheffield all day, every day. But everyone knows that Manchester's a bit of a, bit of a bogey team for Sheffield at times, particularly in their rink. Um, I'd go Sheffield. I think Sheffield have got too much over the two games. If Fox can get his finger out of his arse and maybe get that team going, they're, they're more than capable. And then the big one, um, Coventry and, and Cardiff, the forecasted matchup for a long time. Um, like Scott said, we talked about it before. Um, it's kind of a bit of a, a contradiction on my end because I said about you should get in playoff mode now and play blah blah blah. But it's almost like an unfortunate time, and I think for the two teams to be playing together against each other next weekend, you, know, you don't want to be playing against your, your playoff rival a week later. Um, it's almost like to some extent you almost don't want to waste a win in that fixture. You'd rather win that game the week later. You really would. Um, I think Cardiff will do it over two games. I think Cardiff will beat them. I, I, I would hazard a guess to say they would win both both ties. Not maybe by many, maybe a goal, two goals, but I can see that being maybe Cardiff with the, the playoff credentials has been the case for the last number of years. They they definitely seem to peak at the right time now. Um, that's a yeah, go Cardiff. So I'm going to go the big three out of the four and then maybe Nottingham being the potential Surprise, if you if you could call Nottingham beating Guildford, which traditionally you wouldn't call a surprise. I think that could be my my four. David, what about you? So I think we go the full house on Belfast Glasgow. I just can't see. I can't see Glasgow having anything to pull this off. I think that they'll have done so much just to make it, and really just that doing that alone is a big. For want of a better phrase, fuck you to everybody who doubted them with the car crash of a season. I just think they haven't got enough, and the way Belfast are firing, I just can't see anything going there. So I, I, Belfast for me go through. So Guildford Nottingham, I, I go Guildford on two fronts. One, the way Nottingham are playing, and they just as a club and the results are just collapsing like a, an England batting lineup in the nineties very quickly, uh, you know, short and sweet, and. Paul Dixon knows how to beat Nottingham in the playoffs over two legs. So he has that experience. I get 100% that the hurt of missing out on the title will do something to them, but I just think Guildford will have enough to make it to the final four. Sheffield-Manchester, they are a bogey team away. But Manchester have struggled badly in Sheffield. So for me... Keep it close, one, maybe even two goal deficit if we're going to not have a def- uh, lead in the first leg. You go second leg in Sheffield, you pack the barn out. You also have the emotion of, A, making the final four, but also that night 
will be Phillips's last home game for the, for the Steelers. You you try and galvanise all that, and I think Sheffield would have too much um, to prevent Manchester making the final four, which would, if that's the fixture, I don't care. But it would be an element of a shame from a neutral perspective because Manchester making the postseason um, would be good. You know, would be nice as a story to make the final four, but I think Sheffield would have too much. Cardiff Coventry. See what I would do for that game that your guys are going to play. I'd rest all the inputs, and I just play some Brits. You apologise to fans going, yeah, sorry you're paying fifteen twenty quid, but we're not going to show his hand. So I just fill it with Brits. Because it's a game that means nothing. And I think people know, okay, we're we're playing a bit of a chess game here. Um, But I think order of games will be important. I think if Coventry have the second leg at home, I go Coventry without an issue. I think there'd be... Even if if Cardiff blew Coventry in the first leg, then... Obviously, but I, I think it'll be too close, and I think Coventry will take it in the, in the uh, second leg. If our second leg's in Cardiff, I think the prospects of Coventry making the final may, with with Cardiff's history of being able to do and get results at home, I think it would be too much for for Coventry. So, I, I, for me, I know it's a bit on the fence, but I would go depending on who has the uh, the second leg. But if you had to put close to the mass, I do lean towards Coventry. Um, I think. The goalie combination, I think Coventry have the edge. Um, Bounds v, um, and you have to correct if I forgot around Raja, the, the, the Hungarian goalie. Rania, my apologies. Be a tantalising contest. Uh, but I think, uh, the, the backup, I think Coventry have an edge on that one, um, at the moment. Um, and then it's, it's tit for tat throughout the lineup. So if I had to put, put, pick a choice, I'd go Coventry, but I think there's, it's, a, it's a, a potential fixture that would have so many permutations that could change it. And I know all, all the other threes can. Even You're such a Tory. Explain, Jonathan. Just sit on a fence, rambling along. Just make a decision. This is not lockdown. Just tell us where you stand on something, David. <laughs> okay. Boris. So, so, so I say Coventry will win, but Coventry won't win. Um, Cardiff, <laughs> Cardiff, Cardiff, Cardiff. Is that where we would go with this? That's where we were going with it. Fuck off. Can yeah. I just say? Can I just say about Coventry? I think Cardiff have uh, the better individual talent in maybe goal scorers, but we are a better team as a whole. And if we play as a team, we can definitely beat the Cardiff Devils. But how good is it to have the little rivalry back? Because this was the rivalry back in the day. Um, and also where we have the advantage is there's no pressure from the fans from the blaze but if we go two goals up in Cardiff and with that fan base good luck do you think as well Scotty that now is the time to get a ring full again if ever yeah. that ring deserved a full crowd obviously I've probably been to Coventry maybe I dread to think 50 times whatever 60 times whatever in yeah. that fixture and in the past, it was a terrifying place to go to, really was, you know, even as a fan. And I think that, okay, I know we talked about crowds and then you said about the webcasts bring a lot of money in. But fuck, watch your webcast. If you're a local fan in Coventry, get to that game next, well, in two weeks' time, assuming that's what it's going to be. Because a packed old Coventry is worth a goal at least every day of the week. And 
it hasn't been that way for quite a while. It hasn't been intimidating. It hasn't been scary. It hasn't been a hostile environment. And I think that you've got to give your team any advantage you can give them. And I think if they can sell that rink out or close to it, especially as Davis if there's a second game, I think it's unlikely. I think where's Cardiff will bizarrely often give up home advantage to not travel twice. It's Coventry. There's no point in giving up the advantage just to go to Coventry. There's no detriment to the team travelling back and playing the next day. But that crowd, when it's on top, is a, is a good good crowd. Um, and I think I think hopefully for the, the, the good of the whole tie, both teams will be filled and both teams give it a good go. And uh, yep. I think it's a fair assessment. I think you're right. I think whereas you'd have to say on paper, Cardiff have the better squad in terms of players. Coventry seem to have a better group in terms of... Yeah. They play more as a team, and I'd agree with that. Yeah. We've got some goals for our, and there are some. I've got some ideas to get some media out for to get this game plugged and going. So yeah, uh, shall I say, boys? Time will tell. Absolutely, time will tell. But I tell you what is nice. I mean, you, you discard Belfast, Glasgow, but there's three fixtures that you kind of go. There's some tasty lineups in the place in the playoffs, and that's been not been that much for a while. So I, I'm all for it. Um, and uh, I'll ditch my Tory mantra just to keep Jonathan Rees-Mogg happy. Um, let's talk about Dops. Um, they woke up. They've uh, found the password to the accounts and they um, dished out some bands. Uh, Friday night in, in Belfast, it got a bit uh, tasty and um, Sheffield were happy. Big hit that was dangerous for thrown. Overall, Sam Jones has received three games for uh, his charging. Kieran Long has received three games for leaving the bench to engage in altercation. McNally has received two games. One game for resisting to leave the rink with an additional game as a repeat offender. Guys, quick thoughts on that one. Well, the hit is... It's a shit. It's disgusting hit. Um, I, I would have done him for the season. Um, it's an elbow to the head. I hate this charging call. It's a check to the head. It's a check to the head with a point in the elbow. Um, fair play for... Who was the hit on? I'm not too sure. I can't remember who it was on, but he, he seemed to be okay. But what the fuck was that hit? It was nasty for me. Um, so, yep, yeah, I thought I would have done him for the season. Five games, whatever. Um, no place for that Mr Jones and you, you need to learn from that uh, McNally seems to have a little bit of a, a screw loose <sighs> it's what it is with him he shouldn't have been doing what he was doing but I don't really think you can do much more in bands wise because he didn't actually get hold of anyone uh, as for Kira Long three games is the tariff and he didn't really do anything, did he? He he brought the medic on and then got some cojones and tried to goad, maybe try and get a penalty. But I wouldn't have done any anything more of long. That seems to be the tariff. Yeah, I think there's nothing more already to add to that. The hit was shocking, which is kind of weird because it's very out of character for that guy. I, I never one of these people that says, "Oh, this guy's a nice guy. He's not a dirty player," and, and that's true. With any sportsman, but if you make a dumb hit or a dirty hit, 
then at the end of the day, regardless of how nice a guy you are, how not a dirty player you are, you should be treated as if you are a hooligan anyway. I, I'm surprised that he played, well, he made that play. Lucky to only get three. I thought he could have been out for the season. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> the leaving the bench thing, McNally is just showing what, what, what McNally was in Cardiff. Um, and I mean, a little spell around maybe Christmas and maybe New Year when Sheffield fans were loving him. And he won a few fights, and he was just getting a bit, you know, agitated, should we say, and then the fans were loving him. But I don't think he offers an awful lot. He's kind of a a player that he loses his mind when the game is done. What's the point in that? The game was done. It, it was it was a bit silly. And the long one, yeah, he had clearly no intention of getting involved. He brought the trainer on to tend to the injury, and he just sort of hung about, just like, a guy sort of permanently watching a fight, and he's just like, oh, what's happening, mate? Oh, yeah. Elvis said, and you're involved just by default, because you're hanging around and you're, you're chopping off, and yeah, to the letter of law, he, he left the bench. But it's not like back in the day when like, you'd have like Andrew Sharp jumping the bench to try and get involved in a fight with somebody else. It's just, if it's three games, it's three games, but maybe it's a little bit harsh that, but I suppose rules are rules, and I don't know. It was a bit all or nothing, I thought, really. I, I agree with you guys. Jones could easily got five games on that hit. It wasn't a good hit. Um, it was poor. And I'll go back onto that for the first second. McNally, I have issues with what he did. Because it's the second time he's done it um, in Belfast where he just goes. Now, if you're going to do it, fine. Get involved and do it earlier. Now, that fixture with the goals... Do something in the first period. 4-1 down. Why then? I don't know. Uh, so I've no issue with that. Um, I will bring some up again afterwards. I'm kind of lying things up. Long, he went and he started chirping at McNally. McNally, who's hot-headed, he's wanted to fight anybody. And you do that. Now, I'm not going to lie. I suspect if McNally had got hold of Long, I think it may not have been good for Long. Um, just because of the red, red hair that McNally had. Uh, so, yeah, Tariff is there. he got what he got. It's the minimum, so he's got the minimum. I think that's fair. The thing that I'm getting a bit irritated with a number of fans, hockey's gone soft. How the hell's that three-game ban for that hit? Now, I think fans, and maybe of our generation, need to learn that the game has changed in that respect. Is that in the 90s and early 90s where you could have thrown a hit and the head's the first point of contact, it was fine. It's not now. The games learn. Yeah, you could say it's because of litigation in other sports, but the games learn. So you need clean hits. There was one in the Sheffield Cardiff game. It's an absolute beaut of a clean hit. And it was like a playoff style hit. Absolute full pace, full blooded. And I, you know, Sheffield fans are like, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. I'm like, no, this is just one hell of a hit. People keeping this game's gone soft shit, it just can just fuck off. It's just absolute crap. The game's learn. Don't get me wrong. I love a good scrap like the next man of our generation of watching the game. And we grew up where teams picked a fighter. Each team had one. But the game's moved on. Yeah. Could we enjoy a bit, a few more scraps, a few more physical elements? Yeah, absolutely. That's what got you into the game. But this concept of oh, the game's gone soft, no. If that hit is to the shoulder downwards, A, 
Jones would get the ban. There may have been a, a, a fight because he hit a player. He's not getting a ban because it'd have been a cleaner hit. There's no such thing as a clean hit to the head. You any hit that the first point of contact's ahead, you're in the danger zone straight away. Whether it's a game penalty or suspension, because sport and in particular contact sports focus now on the protection of that in that area. So this whole game's gone soft can just can just could just get fucked. I'm sorry, but it, it pissed me off when I saw that. Second one. Now, I have no issue with Manala being a repeat offender, because, again, it's not the first time he's done that. I have no issue. We spoke on the last episode. Mr. Keith. Not the first time he's done anything um, over his antics on the bench. That would be bringing the game into disrepute. Now, I didn't have an issue with the door smashing for, um, scenario. But a lot of people, you'd say that was a would bring the game into disrepute. But nothing said of that at all. Now, I'm not saying that there should be a ban. What I'm saying is the element of consistency, if you're going to do a repeat, if you're seeing it, it's glorified, but you're not doing anything about it. It kind of doesn't sit well with what you're trying to achieve. Now, I agree, kind of looping back, where the, the charging call, it was a hit to the head. But I suppose that was called a night. You can't change it. I don't believe you can change a, a call. You could upgrade it and give it a, a stronger punishment like they have done with the game suspension. But it's kind of, it just sometimes Dops does things where you go, that makes sense. No, that's not making sense. And I just feel that there's an element where it just doesn't make sense. I'm not saying it should be done and we should, you know, you know, send him to, to the Hague for a war, tri- war tribunal. But it just, there's this element where they just, what they've done and what they say, it's just, for me, and I could be wrong in this, I'll prepare to put my hands up on that. It just feels like there's a lack of consistency in certain elements. I have no problem with the ban, it could be stronger, I agree. But they're just the, the, the add-on bits where it's like, well, you, you see it happen and you're not doing anything about it. So I, I just think that there's elements where maybe a better explanation, maybe an explanation of why nothing's been done would help. Would kind of go, this is why we're not doing it. Case closed. I don't know. I think sometimes that, that was what the, the DOPS department could do with a bit more explanation of an incident that is, is obvious to anybody watching. And they go, this is why we're not taking it further. Maybe that could be something that, as a improvement across the board for dots, could be something for next year. I don't know. But why can't you change what the penalty is or what the call is? Because people get things wrong. Um, you can in the court of law, you can go from manslaughter to murder. I know I'm going from the extreme here, but you can change like pleas and that. It was never charging in the first place, uh, and. For me, charging gives it an element that if this happened in October, Jones gets called for charging. Then he does a check to the head. He's not a repeat offender in that case. Yes, he's a repeat offender, as in with Dops. But then he gets away with his initial check to the head going forward. You should be able to... No one, no one, Sheffield fans would not complain if that penalty got changed to a check to the head. No. So why don't we just try and help the refs out of it? Because it makes the refs look a little stupid. No, I, I, and, I agree with that. Eh? And it's not that they were. They, 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 they made a call, the wrong call, but they got it. You know what I mean? It's just like, why we, we're kind of belittling the refs a little bit there. And I think they need a little bit more help. It's kind of they got to the destination correct, but how they've got there is wrong. Now, 
maybe something again that they should look at for next year. What the NHL do, and I appreciate they have all the resources, but they have the capacity if there's a potential for a major call, they have the the technology available for the referees to look at it to make a decision. Maybe, and I think there's some of the top end leagues in Europe do the same as well. Maybe Sam, we did the same. An iPad that has the stream from that home club that goes, you know what, we think that there could be a major call. We're going to review this. Players, piss off the ventures. We're going away. And we're going to make the decision. Now, I don't know why they can't change the call. I I want to say that there's been, more, maybe it could have been uh, Freta against Galakos, and that was changed to allow a bigger suspension. So I think there is obviously the capacity to do it, but I don't believe, I don't know why, I'm not going to lie. But maybe that going forward, and I'll bring, we'll bring John into this now, that actually having the referees to go, right, that was a nasty hit. We are not sure. We want to see it again to say, is it a major or a minor? And we give them the technology. Like you say, Scott, we've said on this pod many times, we don't want to see the refs belittled. They need the support. They need all the support they get to give the game the credence it deserves. And referees' performances, good, good performances do that. Maybe it's time we do that next year. We go forward and we go, right, we, fo- we follow this. We followed it with the reverse retro. Let's now follow what the NHL do. We've given them a tablet in each venue and we can see the play again. Now, it may need someone at the game that can cut the game up to, to show that play. Now, most teams' webcasts have repeats. That's part of their production. So surely that's not something that would be difficult to do. What do you reckon, John? Do you reckon that would be something that would be worth doing? Do we trust every team in the elite league to have the technology to allow the referees to make a split, obviously a split second decision, but if you're a fan watching that game, a bit like VAR in football, everyone moans about VAR taking too long and, and making that decisive decision. I'm not convinced on, on the actual game itself, on, on night, that referees will have the technology and the tools to make those kind of calls and get those calls right every time. Um, I think, like the boys both are saying earlier about maybe retrospectively changing the call, maybe that it has to be after the game when it's been looked at by DOPS and they could maybe, if they think it's justifiable, change in the punishment and the penalty, then, but then that's tough too. I mean, if it's retrospectively, sometimes if the call's been made on the ice and the right call wasn't made, that has influenced the game on that night. It's a tough one. It really is because we all want to see every, Decision made, whether it be a goal, non-goal, penalty, be right. But the game is just so quick. Even at our beer league level compared to NHL, it, it, the game does move very quickly. And these guys, they've got a thankless job. We've all, over the years, slagged off referees. And there's certain referees we all dislike. We talk about in the group as well. There's certain referees that probably have got no business being in the, in, in the league refereeing at all. But... I don't know, I just I just don't think likes of Fife, for example, maybe Dundee, if I'm being unfair to them, would, would maybe not Dundee, Dundee's very good with the webcast, but has Fife got the right angles, has Manchester got the right angles from the webcast to allow referees to see incidents again and make the right call? I'm not convinced. So did the league need to implement that? They need to... Review yeah, when they have their yeah. meetings and Fair add enough, the cameras. Yeah. Not add the cameras to the webcast, make it a league thing. Yeah, where yeah. they can add the camera. You have to. Like, if you go back like 10, 11 years ago when Brad Boss was running around and he'd do something up in Edinburgh and he'd get away with it because there's no camera angle of it. So he'd have no punishment or sometimes you'd get a punishment based upon hearsay. 
I'm a Cardiff player, basically took a ban from an incident in Belfast based upon a reflection of the plexiglass. How ridiculous is that? There was a reflection from the plexiglass and a ban was given out. So if you're going to go on the route of, of using that for tariffs, then yeah, maybe you have to get clubs to have their angles in there, whether they're just for, purely for league purposes, for refereeing and for dops. But again, this is making things more professional, boys. Do we really think there's any appetite and desire when things are going to cost money in terms of providing the technology in the first place, providing human beings to run said technology? If it needs to be, you know, dismantled and taken home, whatever, it's all additional procedures and, and many that would, would take to do that. And that, I just don't see the league having the foresight to, to do that. And it's a shame because it would definitely be the right thing to do. It protects players. It, it, it hopefully gives the right result, which is important from a game perspective. But I, I haven't got any faith in them doing something as, as forward thinking as that, if I'm honest. No, I know. Uh, but perhaps if they have this fans forum at the playoffs, it could be addressed. So we'll see. Elite League, give us our fans forum. I, what I would also say is, does the league want another ex-club tweeting all leagues in the world saying, this is wrong, how dare they? Which got the initial change in dots in the first place. I, I see what you're saying, John, and I, I do agree with the, the premise of what you're saying. I just think... Maybe it's time the bullet were bit and we just did things professionally. You know, work as a unit with the league, look at the costs and do it over a period of time where the costs are evened out. Who knows? But maybe it's time that that was the next level of, of progression in our league. But again, that's definitely a time will tell. So, like we said at the beginning, we've one weekend left of the regular season. And we decided at the very last minute that we would put our all star team together now all we've done is a one line three forwards two defensemen and a goalie and we don't even know who we've picked yet so you may hear the surprise in the voice of your player well i suspect there may be some that will be on all three so let's go john the diva the elder of the parish Hmm. Okay, well, it's bound to create a little bit of debate amongst us, if nothing else. I've gone for two lines. I couldn't shoehorn enough players into one line. Um, are we going to go... Are we gonna go th- <laughs> You've been way more of a deal than I have lately, your demands, I'm telling you. Let me go for a certain break before we start the podcast tonight, you know? Right. Um, that could be benefit, we- mate. <laughs> well, I'll leave that open to interpretation. If people even bother listening to us. Uh, okay, if we're going we to go with like, reasons why, or we're going to go for how are we going to do it? Yeah, well, I, yeah go, it's just go, a little go, reason why. Justify, I suppose. That, you can justify, yeah. Okay, well, Greenfield I've got as my number one goalie. On the back end, I've gone for Crawford from Cardiff. And Lalonde, I never say his name properly, from Guildford. Uh, up front, I've gone forwards. I've gone Conway. Sanford. And Tedesco. That's my first line. Scotty's smirking. I don't know why he's smirking at me. I've gone for a second line because there's some players I think that were just about borderline getting. I've gone McAdam in goal. I think over the two goalies, I think he's been the more impressive, if I'm honest, over Greenfield. But I think with Greenfield, the reason why I went with him, he's been absolutely rinsed, hasn't he? Let's be honest with you. The poor guy's played about 197 games and he was brought in as a number two. 
and obviously has ended up playing every game. McCallum has been lucky to have a few breaks here and there and get a few breathers along the way. Uh, I've gone on the back end. I've gone Bast and Halbert from Coventry. Uh, I've gone forwards. Goodwin, Tate, as in Guildford's Tate, not actually Tate, back from the dead, and <laughs> it's probably a little bit harsh. Not the I've killed off actually Tate. Apologies to anyone that sort of uh, is friends with Ashley Tate, but that kind of wasn't what I meant to say. And I've gotten Champini. So that's my top two. And I can see Scott like, what the actual fuck Champini? So I'll I'll invite Scott uh, to give me his and I can debate my choices with him if he likes. I had to put a Sheffield forward in somewhere and I was like just borderline. All I could choose was him. I prefer Newman as a player, but I just got him purely on the fact that Champini is... Score a few more points. That's about really. Okay. Um, I hate to put him in because I really thought he'd fail, and I know he's not done a full season, but Besquani. He's uh, they've not they look like conceding goals really, uh, and I know they're outblowing people, but to have his steadiness at the back, I've went for Besquani, and I didn't really want to. If I didn't, it would be McAdam. Um, because I think he's a really good goalie. My uh, my D pairings are Lalonde and Guildford and Garrett Johnson at the Blaze. He he's never had he's never had a negative plus minus in his whole career. He's a steady steady D man, and he creates a lot of plays on the transition. Doesn't take many penalties. Absolute weapon of a D man. Love him. And uh, my forwards. Sanford on the wing, Tedesco on the wing, and Conway to centre. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make an admission on Scott Conway. And I hate to do this, but I I brag when I get things right. So I'm gonna give myself a little kick. When Scott Way was Scott Conway was announced in Belfast a couple of seasons ago, there was rumours that he said he weren't going to come to the Elite League for a few years. He's going to do the coast. And I messaged my mate, I went, this guy's going to flop. And he hasn't. So, well done, Mr. Scott Conway. I have took my medicine. Two things. I'm impressed we've, got, we've both got four of the same players. I didn't expect that. We have the same forward line, and that's pretty, uh, you know, impressed. The thing with Conway, I didn't say that, but I can understand why people would. I must be honest with you, Moni, exposure to Conway prior to that was in playing for GB, where... He rode the bench, pretty much. He didn't get a lot of ice time. And I thought, OK, well, it's a, a low-risk side in terms of he's a Brit player. You know, he's, he's definitely going to be better than most Brits kicking around. You would never have thought he'd be a stud in terms of his numbers. So, yeah, probably, like you say, you've, you've taken your medicine. But then, equally, I don't think it was a comment that a lot of people would have, would have, would have not made themselves, to be honest with you. He's... he's and it's annoying because I don't like the guy. I've never spoken to the guy. He's probably a nice guy. Becomes a class as arrogant. And I don't like arrogant people in any form of life. And I may be completely wrong before Belfast fans want to kill me for like being, you know, slagging off one of their top, their top players. But you, you can't not put him in the team. You can't not put him in the team with, what, two points a game, wherever he's on. It's ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, I think the forward line picks itself. And, that gives good validation for the two of us to both be on the same page there with uh, four of the same top six. Good choices, Scott. 
Well played. Cheers, mate. David, you go. I, just, I was waiting to get a gap in between your two uh, picks, loving. Um, right, we'll we'll go goalie. Um, I've gone Greenfield over Beskawarini. For me, they're both up there as the best in the league with a wonderful um, sort of nod to uh, McAdam. I just think with the team in front of him, I think Greenfield to have the stats he's got with the time he's played and with all that, I think Greenfield for me gets a nod over Beskawarini. But that's not to say Beskawarini isn't a good goalie. Just to make sure that our listeners in Belfast understand that quite easily. Defence. Now, this team, I've gone for it to score points and entertain. So my defensive unit is Crawford. And I've gone Bast uh, in my uh, defensive unit. Gents, sit down. This is my forwards. Samford. Tedesco. Conway. It's like what was going to be picked. <laughs> and that legitimately, we never even discussed no, a single we player. We didn't. And all the reasons that Scott and John have said, I can't add any more. That is the three, three players for me, and obviously for John and Scott, that have done the business, entertained, put points on the board, and has given their teams, respective teams, the chance of winning. Uh, Conway, light out year. Tedesco. Probably the diamond in the rough that's been found this year, and Samford uh, continuing doing his his bit in Cardiff. So, I think the minimum we've got is four. All of us so on we, the same team. We've, we've we, you, you and I have got five. You and I yeah. got five of the same. So, and again, like, that's why I went for the second line being because I because Bast was kind of there or thereabouts for my team as well. So I put him on a second line. Just the because the, the, the second team that you've put out, John, there's some great mentions in any other time. Would make the team, like Beskawarani would make the team, had there not been a, a guy with a similar stats but just rinsed to hell like Greenfield has. Yeah, and that's why I did that too. I mean, Beskawarani is probably the best goalie in the league. I'm not going to dispute that with any Belfast fans. I don't dispute that at all. But when you come in in was it February where he came in, I don't know. It's, it's, he's obviously made a massive difference to their season, 100%. But I don't think I can justify having a team of the season with a player that's played maybe a third of the season. Um, at best, I think that players do come in late in, in lots of teams and make a big difference in the campaign and can turn the team around. And he, he, I was he turned the team around because he was still doing pretty well. He's definitely been that little extra bull nugget they've needed to make them a, a title title winner really in, in reality but uh, and again it, it was tough to kind of not put more Belfast players in that team because they obviously they're going to win the league um, but I've seen a lot of games this season a lot of neutral games and just thing like I've seen I'm, you know, I'm kind of impressed that we've got five of the same Scotty has got four of the same as us two as well so we either all know our shit or we know jack shit we'll leave that for people to let us know when they hear this and they can give their opinions on where we went wrong or whether they agree with us, but I think the fact that we're all on the same page with all those players, it, it shows those guys, I think, have had great seasons. We've all got no bias to any of those particular players, and yet four of them have made all three of the teams, which is pretty impressive. I, I think we'll know where it'll be the latter that people will tell us, in fairness, they're probably correct. I, I don't best score any point just because it's kind of the prevented Jackson Whistle getting games, and that is with me saying that with a GB hat on. Uh, so, um, 
sorry, you, you've lost a point there. But uh, I was surprised Champini got mentioned. I'm not going to lie. Under the radar signing, and has just quietly just gone on with his business. Not done anything wrong, but I'm surprised with a lot of your forwards. I'm surprised that he, he got a mention there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it got to a kind of point where I thought, well, do you know what I mean? We, we, I was, my first line was kind of set in stone. I was feeling a bit greedy having a second one. Tate, great season, good win, good season. And I kind of like Newman as that's probably my favourite, I'd say, Sheffield forward as such that I like to watch. But Champini's just got a little bit, you know, about him where he's got a bit of a game a gamer mentality. And again, it's all about opinions, and it? it doesn't mean to say that I'm right. I mean, I put Halbert as my second little pairing, and Scotty didn't even put Halbert as a commentary fan. So sometimes you see players X amount of time to the season, and you see them do well in those games. You don't see them over 50-odd games like a fan of that team would do. And I think it's easy to form an opinion uh, over maybe seven, eight, ten games over a year, and that could be wrong. And again, it's all about opinions, but that was just me just being greedy and having too many players and not enough space for one line, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did scream my face up. I couldn't hide my emotion. Um, I, for me, a, a Sheffield Steelers forward lineup would get nowhere near the All Star team. Um, I don't think they've scored enough goals. Um, with Pat Gray. Petgrave, Petra and Petgrave is leading the team in points as well. Um, I know you like Scott Allen. He, he's probably scored a few goals from this season, but yeah, uh, not for me. Not for me. Any 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 Sheffield boys this season? I think they uh, don't deserve it. I'm sure we'll have a chat about Brits in the next couple of weeks. Maybe do a British one-two line, maybe as well, because there'll be a few guys. I'm sure that uh, yeah, we can do. Be, uh, you know. We can do our GB team. Yeah, I think we'll do. Our, obviously, we'll pick our squads because we're all experts clearly at ice hockey. We're going to, you know, know who to take to Nottingham in, in April with us. But yeah, maybe do a British All Star kind of lineup as well. Yeah, maybe just, get some... just for point of reference, that uh, this may not be updated this weekend, but Petgrave was the leading point scorer, leading penalty taker. He would be nowhere near my team. He would be nowhere near first, second, third, fourth, or fifth, or sixth lines. Over the years, have you known the player be the top point scorer and the top penalty minute taker? It's been a he while. Just, that, it's been a while since that type of player. He's a love him or hate him kind of player, isn't he? I agree, and I he's, think he has been on the upturn recently, which is good. Um, but yeah, what do other people think? What do you, the listeners? What do you reckon? What's your all-star lineup? What's your six players? And we've gone left wing, centre, right wing as well. We've not just gone three forwards, as it turned out. Um, we yeah. thought about it, Dave. We didn't just shoot on three centres in just to get three top scorers in. We took it seriously. We, we take our shit seriously. We may not I can tell you something. Sorry. You know about the top top goal scorer and uh, top penalty winner? Marco Valorand just nearly did it when he was at the Blaze. He had 145 penalty minutes wow. when he was hit uh, the blaze and still scored 34 goals. He was only beaten by uh, the madman Danik Paquette in penalty minutes. Uh, but yeah, like he was up there. Like, like chops off at the end of games, terminating misconducts and stuff. Is he more just mouthed off penalties? Yeah, he had one fight and a lot of bit of yeah, bit of argy bargy yeah. and yeah, mouthing off. But that, do. it was still. Uh, Still prevalent, and Janand was up there as well when he oh, scored 50 he was, goals. 
And he would, he would have never have made my all-star team because he just wasn't a Blaze player, which is mad when someone scores 50 goals. But now, when you listen to us, um, via, um, Instagram and Twitter, we'll, we'll ask you for your all-star lineup and we'll, we'll have a, a five minute chat about that next episode. Um, and then, like I said, we'll go on our Brit teams and we'll go for other awards that the league like to dish out at this time of year. But that's our all-star team. Um, and good work there, gents. Not that we, like I said, we didn't even discuss this. So the fact that we've got the forward lineup spot on accurate is, says probably, I don't, I don't know what it says really. Um, but that is it for the actual, um, things to discuss in terms of topics. Any other business? I've got two, but I'll let you, gents, go first. Mm, I think I'm okay tonight. I think I've had my, uh, stint of ranting and raving. Kind of, I think, all rambled out. Yeah, um, yeah, he's not shut up tonight, is he? He's oh, yeah. proper Beyonce mode. Uh, no, I'm good. Okay, I've just got two pieces. Uh, one very quick one. Um, the Champions League, Champions League, League next year. They want the Brits in, and Belfast will be representing the team next year. Uh, and also, this will go out before the event. Uh, Tuesday night, coming up the 28th, is Robert Dowd's testimonial game at the Sheffield Arena. Tickets are still available as we speak on Sunday night. Uh, £12 without the Ticketmaster booking fees. Um, I believe up to midday on the Tuesday you can get tickets online. If not, it's on the door. Um, a, a great play for Club of Country. Should be a good night with some good names uh, coming back for that. Um, I know a good player that has earned more than is a, is a fair share of the accolades over the years. So, we go on to yeas and nays. I wonder how good this is going to be this week. Uh, we know that John takes half an hour to think of his after the last two weeks. I've prepared now. I thought we'd advance. Just toast. Uh, Scott, <laughs> what's your yeas and nays this week, mate? Uh, my yeas is Ross Venus's goal. I know I mentioned it earlier, but please treat yourself. Uh, having a really good year himself. Yeah, have a look at that. And Manet's is shipping four against the uh, Nottingham Panthers. And uh, my second nay is Matthew Gagnon playing the puck with his helmet off. And the ref just going, mate, I'm going to have to give you a fucking penalty, you stupid twat. It was literally, they looked, he looked at him and went, what, what are you doing? And it was with a couple of minutes to go. It was just idiotic. Um, and I, 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 I'm, I'm also glad the weekend's over. Go on, John. Now you're prepared. What's your yeas and nays? Okay, we go yay. Um, one more, yes. Yeah. Um, Guildford being three 0 down in Dundee, and uh, certain fan base getting a bit carried away, a little bit prematurely. Okay, it's probably still going to happen, but it was nice that they came back and beat Dundee. I think Dundee Guildford to make it last for at least another weekend. Well, another game at least, anyway. So. Here's hoping that um, it goes beyond the last but one game and takes it to the last Sunday game, which would be nice. So, Guildford coming back from 3-0 down when everyone thought that they'd blown it and they'd pooed the bed. Um, Nays team was just playing like they couldn't give a shit. Conceding 8, 9, scoring 0. Like this weekend, if, if you were trying to predict games and... No jokes, I should have predicted at the best of times. How can you? Like, guys, it's playoff. 
hockey starting in two weeks' time. Just dial in a little bit more and just show a little bit of uh, desire to win the game. So, Mike Yeas, uh, we go similarly, Brett, with Scott, but I go Alex Games' goal. Um, very nice finish. I think a player that will be taking the place of Jonathan Phillips in the Sheffield roster next year. Um, but when the, when the heights out, have a look at it. It's a nice finish. He's been there thereabouts. I think he'll be he'll move full time um, into that team. Um, my other year is goals galore. If you enjoy being entertained, goals have been a plenty this weekend. So it, it starts a yay. My nays, Sheffield, Friday night, Belfast. Enough said. Um, to those who went over, I hope you, like I said, I hope you had enough Guinness to uh, compensate for what you watched um, for your team. Uh, my other nay is a lack of defensive hockey over the weekend coming up to the uh, the playoffs. Uh, it's it's certainly not the hockey that you're used to seeing at this time of year, getting dialed in for the uh, last piece of silver that's available. And that's it for the latest episode. So, socials, as ever, Twitter, Instagram, at 3 on 3 Podcast UK. If you've noticed, we've got more active on Instagram. Uh, the diva has uh, learned how to use it, and now excelling it. He's absolutely smashing it. Really proud of you, John. Um, we're even getting more tracks on Facebook, 3 on 3 Podcast UK. Um, Within the next couple of weeks, we'll do another episode that's going to end up on YouTube. So you'll get to see our wonderful faces again. Um, Scott's already booked in for the salon. Um, you just can't beat this type of look for, for YouTube. Um, gents, thank you for your time this evening. Short, sweet, but uh, certainly full of the content that uh, we normally deliver now. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you've got to give a little bit. Leave them wanted more. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good to be fair, it? He is. <laughs> I, guys, uh, <laughs> the Diva is on top form. Uh, David, I'm not sure what I'm having done. That's been clipped and that's been used to promote this yeah. episode. David, I'm not sure what I'm having done at the salon. Uh, but yeah, um, is what is. Maybe a shoe shine to the head. Um, I'll end, I'll end this episode with Elite League. Please give us a fans forum and let's close the game. Yeah, can you imagine though? That's not a rocket up. Kick it off. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. <laughs> we booked him for two hours, but John's here. We're better booking for another three on top of that. Um, uh, Scott's scared. Get closed. That's it for another episode of the 3 on 3 podcast. <laughs>